with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, hello everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA, my final program for a week and a half. Paul Heath is going to be looking after proceedings tomorrow. I'm just taking a few days off uh, for the remainder of this week and next week. So um, look forward to you joining Paul Heath. I know he said to me he's got a huge couple of days coming up, some big names that will be interviewing and also next week. So stay with us here on Sports Day WA for the Kia EV6 GT, World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 45 years. For the good oil for Cobram Estate, Premium Australian Extra Virgin Olive Oil, uh, we know the year just gone this year, there was a big festival of football that was staged at Optus Stadium, and it featured Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham Hotspur, who, as we know, it was the first outing for Ange after being given the honour of being the manager of the proud London club in the uh, Premiership in the English Premier League, and West Ham United, who, as we know, have had a close affinity with Western Australia through the Dylan Tombides Foundation. And the likes of Stan Lazaridis and also Richard Garcia played for the Hammers during their English Premier League career and stints in the UK. Now, I'm led to believe that on May the 30th of next year, 2024, we could have a couple of Italian giants from Serie A gracing the turf here at Optus Stadium. Yet to be confirmed, but I believe that Juve, Juventus and Roma, who are managed by Jose Mourinho, could be coming to Perth and I believe are coming to Perth to play against each other. Now, the date I've been told is May the 30th, 2024, whatever day of the week that may be. It's just breaking regarding the information that I am led to believe that it will be May the 30th. Uh, and it appears that the Italians are coming and fans in Australia and beyond are in for a treat as the Italian football giants go head-to-head on Australian soil for the first time. Now, this clash of titans is said to be highlight of the football calendar, bringing the magic of Serie A down under. I know that Rita Safiotti, who is involved with tourism, Western Australia, the minister, the deputy premier, is a passionate football supporter. And on the back end of the success of the Festival of Football with Spurs and the Hammers, that they were keen to continue it in 2024. So, just repeating, May the 30th, 2024, Juventus will take on AS Roma in a sensational showdown here at Optus Stadium in Perth. So you can just jot that down. Some significant news there for Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in Northern Victoria. And you heard it first right here on Sports Day WA. You can join us on the Tempera Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736, or you can give us a call, 13 12 55. Uh, Juve supporters, is there any listening to Sports Day WA? How excited are you about one of the powerhouses of world football is coming to play in front of uh, West Australian soccer fans' eyes in May of next year? 
The other big story is, as we know, the Test Series is not far away between Australia and Pakistan. Very shortly, you'll hear from Mitch Stark. Uh, he spoke to Dwayne Russell on Dwayne's World. And we'll feature a bit of that. He talks about Dave Warner. He talks about his own form. And uh, it's quite an interesting chat. So we'll feature a bit of that uh, a bit later on. Uh, but Andrew McDonald the coach of the Australian cricket team, was asked if the upcoming PM11 game is a bat-off between Matt Renshaw, Harris, of course, of Victoria, Marcus Harris, and our very own Cam Bancroft. What are we to interpret? Is the PM's game a bat-off between Renshaw, Harris, and Bancroft? I think it's another opportunity for, for them. It's a, you know, what potentially is a, is a slightly higher level than Shield cricket um, in, in terms of an Australia A or a Prime Minister's 11 game against a, a good opposition. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see where they're at. And, yeah, it won't be the be and an end all. We know that they're good players. They've played Test cricket before. And, yeah, all three are, are coming again. Break now. There you go. That's Andrew McDonald, who also spoke about extension on David Warne's career and his selection philosophy regarding Davey Warner. Is Dave Warner going to be opening the batting in the Pakistan series? That'll all be decided later this week. What goes into that decision? Uh, like any other decision, working out who the best player is for, the, for that position at that point in time. And uh, I think with Test cricket, it's really clear you don't necessarily need to future-proof things too much. I think with a, you know, a cycle, uh, with a World Cup one-day cricket or T20, there's an element of, okay, what, what are we looking for to build to get to that grand final? Um, whereas we see every test test match is important um, in terms of yeah the direction of of Australian cricket. So there's seven tests between now and India next year, which looks like the feature series. Um, do these three tests play a role in progressing to them, or in what you've just said, are these just sort of isolated series? I think they're isolated series for me. I think every test match you you sit down as a selection panel and you you work out your best team and. And, and you go from there. So that's the bowling attack. That's the batting, the wicket-keeping. Every decision is in isolation for each test match. And I think that's the way test cricket should be. Pick your best team at that point in time. There's no doubt that you will have a younger player from time to time that people will think that needs to play or get exposure to play. Um, but I think a lot of that always takes care of itself. Andrew McDonald, the coach of the Australian cricket team in studio there with Jared Whateley. Just a couple of grabs there regarding uh, the PM's 11 game. And good luck to Cam Bancroft. I think he deserves to get an opportunity after the weight of runs in Shield cricket last season, already this season. And uh, David Warner, we'll have to see what happens with him. But Mitch Stark also has endorsed David Warner as a very important player in the Australian team. Just some other news. The AFLW Grand Final, as we know, is on this weekend. And there's been a bit of pressure for it to be moved to the Dockland Stadium, despite the showpiece between North Melbourne and the Brisbane Lions quickly selling out. Now, the league has confirmed tickets for the first AFLW decided to be played in Victoria since 2018, were snapped up pretty quickly after going on sale to the general public on Monday. Now, the venue for Sunday's Grand Final is Princess Park, Carlton's home ground, where they train. Previously had a capacity of 30,000, but recent developments and redevelopments to Carlton's headquarters has significantly reduced that. Now, the premiership will be decided in front of a crowd of about 13,000. Uh, Docklands holds, by the way, 53,343. How many more would go? I gather that's a $64,000 question, but you think you'd probably double that attendance 
if Docklands was made available. North won hosting rights after defeating minor premiers Adelaide in last Sunday's thrilling preliminary final. So uh, a bit of news there. All thanks to Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. And as we know, Polaris plate clearance deals are on now. You can save $2,000 on the range of 1,000 EPS, plus get $1,000 free accessories. Now, coming up later on in the program, in fact, they've just rocked up uh, to the SENWA studios now, is three gentlemen. But... The main draw card is a young West Australian by the name of Alex Winwood. He's now the WBC number two ranked strawweight boxer in the world. Now, we've heard this about Harley Reid from the West Coast Eagles, that Harley Reid is a generational player. Well, let me tell you, this young kid has been described as a generational talent by the likes of four-time world champion Danny Green and the voice of combat sports in WA, Brett Bonetti, who's going to join us in the studio as well. Now, Alex is back in action this Friday night on the main event at Metro City in Perth as he continues his path to World Championship honours. Now, if he wins on Friday, he needs to then play an eliminator in his next fight, possibly early in the new year. He wins that, and all of a sudden, he has a chance to fight for a world championship. It'll be six fights if he is crowned world champion. Jeff Fennick took seven fights to take out a world crown. He's a young fella that uh, originates from Mandra. The last couple of years, he's been practising on uh, at Tweed Heads. That's where he's based himself in the eastern states. He is a gun boxer. And Tony Tolge, the manager and promoter, will be joining me in the studio with Alex, who's made his time available after just lobbing back in Perth literally uh, yesterday in preparation for this fight. So we're going to speak to Alex and also Brett Bonetti is going to join us as well. He's trained, actually, Alex Winwood by Angelo Hyder, one of the best trainers in the world and the man behind the success of Danny Green. The three gentlemen will join me in the studio a little bit later on. So I'm looking forward to having a chat to them as a special feature. And as we did with Steve Ursick, we had him in the studio when he was about to be announced uh, as part of the UFC package. He was in our studios. We feel that Alex Winwood, a lot of people will be hearing a lot more about him, particularly in coming weeks, particularly if he wins on Friday night. And the expectations are that he will. And by the way, I believe he's related to the great Stephen Michael, one of the greatest Australian rules football of his generation. So I'm looking forward to speaking to Alex. He's coming up shortly, but first on the other other side of the break, we'll hear a bit from Mitchell Stark here on Sports Day WA. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolman, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yeah, great to have your company. Uh, You're with Peter Vlahos. As I said, Alex Winwood, one of our up-and-coming stars, is about to join us. But first, for Irrigir is here to save time and water. Let's just update what's happening in the WBBL. The finals are underway. And the Eliminator is being played live at the Wacker between the Brisbane Heat and the Sydney Thunder. And the Heat are one for 74 
after, in fact, in the ninth over, Redmayne is on 18 and Kerr on 10. I don't really understand why it's being played at the Wacker, but as we know, the Perth Scorchers in the Challenger final play tomorrow, so we'll be right across that as well. As I mentioned, Mitchell Stark uh, spoke to Dwayne uh, Russell uh, on Dwayne's World on SEN uh, a bit earlier today, and the question was, uh, how is he handling uh, the pressure of what's been a very rigorous last few months? It's an interesting one. It's, it's obviously... You know, a great couple of months and, and uh, sort of take it all, all the celebrations and, and reviews and, and enjoy the moment of what it was, but they quickly got to turn focus to a test series. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's something that we'll, we'll probably reflect on more when we're, we're either finished or got some, some time off. But um, for a lot of the guys, it's either playing T20 cricket in India still or on to test cricket. Nothing better than taking 355 in a World Cup final to win it. Most wickets of any player in the final and producing that kind of display on the biggest stage you could possibly produce it on. Yeah, it was, it was nice to uh, pull my finger out of it in, the, in the, the last couple of games of the tournament and, and um, step up when, when called upon. So it's, um, yeah, it's nice to, to have a little bit of an impact there and, and uh, play my role in the back end of the tournament. But um, no, it was a change for a big group. So. Through, through the whole tournament, we, we had everyone step up at different times. It wasn't just one or two individuals throughout the whole tournament. Whilst there were some, some great numbers, um, different games called upon different people, and everyone managed to step up when it we counted most. Did you feel a bit of pressure early on in, for yourself personally and for the team? Um, I think there was a lot of, lot of noise made about it, but um, I think what we, we saw through the whole tournament was in India at that stage of the year, the, the conditions were so different, whether you batted or bowl first and, and different parts of the country and, and whether it was day or night. So, um, yeah, look, we all probably, well, certainly didn't start the tournament the way, way we wanted to, being 0-2. And, and I think it was none for 120 in that Sri Lankan game. But um, things turned pretty quickly. And, and when when you back back this team into a corner, uh, it fights its way out. So, yeah, certainly, uh, I mean, numbers-wise, wasn't uh, wasn't as what I've done in previous tournaments. But um, like I said, I was, I was managed to, to make an impact at the back end where where uh, I like to think some experience comes into it. So, um, yeah, I think uh, the way it all finished, uh, no amount of wickets would, would uh, I, I'd trade in for a, for a World Cup trophy. So it's, it's been fantastic. Still basking in the glory of it. You do have to get ready for a three-test series coming up. Uh, starts December 14 in Perth. You, you've elected not to play in the BBL again, so that's confirmed. Uh, certainly not in my in my equation for the next two weeks. Um, yeah, it's it's all guns forward for that that uh, day one of that test in, in Perth. So um, yeah, I've seen a, a few of the boys are coming out for that the opening round. Um, obviously, you know, Uzi and and Marcus for, for Brisbane. Smithy's um, pretty stand up for the Sixers. But um, yeah, for for me, it, it's it's uh, getting that red ball in the hand and, and getting ready for for day one. Is it more the body or the mind that needs a rest in the lead up to the test? Um, it's a little bit of everything, I think. It, it, you know, we've had a, a very busy winter. We've been, uh, as a group across formats, we've been hugely successful with with the Test Championship and then and then uh, obviously the, the retention of the Ashes and into the World Cup. So there's a lot of guys that have played a lot of cricket. We've got a lot of a lot of multi-format players as well, and people like to prepare differently and, and have different stages of their body. So for me, it's it's uh, you know another chance to to get in the gym, get ready for uh, for the Test summer, uh, and that means a couple of bowling sessions. Uh, some, some more importantly, some time in the gym to, to get back that strength that sort of goes away when you, you have a, a schedule like we did in the World Cup. So 
yeah, for, for me, it's more a physical one. Um, I'm still loving my cricket and, and loving playing different formats, but um, tests are always going to be the pinnacle for me. And speaking of formats, you're going to be back to playing three formats soon. You're planning on playing in the IPL, I understand, even though you haven't been there for a while, and the T20 World Cup down the road? Yeah, I haven't been to the IPL since uh, 2015, so um, throwing my name in the hat and uh, I put my papers in the other day, so let's uh, see how that falls uh, at the back end of December, I think the auction is, and um, see if there's any interest there to, to have a, a left arm bowler at the back end. And, and um, yeah, like you say, it's, it's a nice lead into the T20 World Cup with being, a, I guess, a slightly quieter winter next year and, and playing some T20 cricket on the way to the onto the way to the T20 World Cup is a, is a nice lead into that. And um, physically after the World Cup is, is not not uh, as taxing as, as what the last 12 months has been. How easy is it to flip from one form to the other? Is it as difficult as some say it is? Is it fairly easy for you in comparison? You're about to flick to tests and get your mind on doing that now. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, it's one that's brought up every year, particularly with the amount of, of multi-format players that Australia does have. Uh, I've always found my roles not too different across the formats. Whilst the game is obviously different and, and there's obviously more, more, uh, I guess, a bit more of a war of attrition, if you like, in test cricket and, and the spells are longer, the days are longer. The, the wickets are certainly flat across formats, but um, I think you'd have to ask the batters, but I think it's probably... A little, slightly easier for the bowlers to transition through red and white, um, purely because we're still bowling. That. It's still three stumps at the other end. It's, it's still, you know, bowl your six balls. It's, your tactics might be slightly different, but um, the lengths are still the same. The, the size of the cricket ball is still the same. So, um, yeah, it's probably more of a role one and, and tactically. And, and my role for, for Australia has, has probably been very, very similar across formats in terms of, of uh, you know, striking and trying to be a bit more aggressive. You probably won't tell me what you'd suggest would be the right 11 to start against Pakistan. I'm happy for you to tell me if you want. Does Dave Warner open in the team that you'd pick? Thankfully, I don't have to pick a team. So, um, <laughs> I mean, what do they say? They don't, you don't change a winning team, do you? So, um, we won the sit. Well, we retained the series in England, I guess. But, um, yeah, we, we've been a, a very successful test team for, for a while now. And, um, you know, Davey's been hugely successful and, and led from the front there as an opener for us for a long time. So um, when whenever we, we find ourselves without Davey, um, whenever that may be, he's going to leave a massive hole. So he's been a, a long-time server of Australian cricket. He's, he's changed the game in many ways. And, and I think we showed that, he showed that through the World Cup, how dynamic he can be, not only with the bat, but certainly in the field as well. Does he, as a, as a superstar of the game, does he have a right to be locked in for all three tests here and go out the way he wants or is it all based on each test performance whether you get a game for the next one oh geez i, I don't know I, thankfully i'm not a selector um i guess i'm heading on the, the back end of my career too so i don't know i don't know what uh what side of the fence i sit on there but um i, I mean look he, he's been as i said he, he's played for a very very long time he's, he's been hugely 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 successful um and and whether he's polarizing or not he, he's going to probably go down as as, as one of the great multi-format players for Australia. So hopefully that, in whatever happens, that's recognised for what it is and how good he's been for Australia for, for a very long time. Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos here on this Tuesday. It's all thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. We've got 
a studio full of people here now this afternoon. We're going to speak to a young fella who's certainly going places. I remember interviewing him a while back when he was starting his journey, as we know, as a boxer that certainly has caught the imagination of a lot of people. And I remember speaking to Danny Green, actually, a little while back, who uh, saw this young fella fight and thought that this guy has got uh, basically his career in his hand. He could go places and was very impressed. We're talking about Alex Winwood. He is now the WBC number two ranked uh, straw weight boxer in the world. Alex, welcome to the program. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having us on, eh? Just nice and close to the microphone, just like you're kissing your favourite person. Okay? Yeah, you. <laughs> uh, Tony Tolls also joins us. He's the manager, the promoter of Alex. Good to see you. Thanks, uh, thanks for having us on, mate. You've been involved in the caper a long time, haven't you? Yeah, over 20 years now. Yeah. What got you interested in this caper? Um, I just loved it from a young age, and um, yeah, it's just been a big journey since. Yeah, and the other gentleman that's in the studio is the media commentator. He's involved in a lot of the MMAs, uh, mixed martial arts and boxing. Is uh, They call him the media man when it comes to this type of sport in Brett Benetti. Brett, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Peter. Pleasure to be here. I tell you what, two yeah, there's no one that's more excited about this young gentleman's career. You followed it from the, from the start and you've been talking to me off air about where this journey could possibly end up. Yes, certainly have. I've actually had the pleasure. Uh, Alex is 3-0 and in his professional's career at the moment. I've had the pleasure of calling each of those fights. And after the, the first fight, I went up to his, uh, his great trainer, one of the best trainers in the world, actually, in Angelo Hyder. I said, Angelo, you've got, you got a special talent here. And uh, he agreed and he said, yeah, this kid... He punches so hard for his size, and I think he's going to go places. I think he's going to be a world champion. So, uh, been excited ever since, and it's again, it's been a pleasure to uh, to call these professional fights so far. And we've got uh, his fourth professional fight on Friday night at Thunderdome 44, which I'm very much looking forward to calling as well. Yeah, no, looking forward to that. And we'll talk more about that maybe in our second segment. Alex, just find out a bit about yourself. Uh, you basically grew up what in the Mandurah region. Yeah, definitely. Tell us um, about your early days of growing up. Yeah, pretty much. I moved to Mandra when I was 10 years old and uh, only just moved out of there at, I think I was 25. Uh, right. Relocated to the east. But um, yeah, that's where I found my love for sport, really. Back. So in what other sports were you interested in, apart from boxing, which now, of course, you're making your name in? I was going to be a ruckman in the AFL. <laughs> no, I don't think so. How tall are you, Alex? I'm five foot two. And I'll tell you what, he's got the youthful looks. He asked me before we started, how old do you think I am? And I had my notes in front of me, and I said, maybe 19. He says, I'm 26. How do you keep your youthful looks? And don't you want to... This face of yours, you don't want it punched up or disformed, do you? No, definitely not. That's why I try to avoid the punches as much as possible. Yeah. Today. So saying that, you know, which other sports were you interested in growing up in Manji? Yeah, so AFL was love of my life. Did you go okay in AFL? I thought I did all right. If if I grew, a, you know, n- another foot, I think I might have made the big time. But um, yeah, it just didn't pan out like that. And everyone told me I'd be a jockey, but uh, <laughs> that also didn't happen. And um, boxing started calling, and um, yeah, just found my pathway at a late age, sixteen, and. Um, yeah, it's just you're a proud Noongar man. So when you look at uh, some of the uh, icons of the Noongar community, who do you look up to? Because you said you followed uh, uh, AFL Aussie Rules football. There's been some great uh, products from your community play that sport. 
Yeah, exactly right. Like pretty much anyone who was anyone in the sporting world was was an AFL player and, and, and a black fella and to to grow up watching them all. And um, my uncle is Stephen Michael, so he's your uncle. He is, and um, one of the most most beautiful men that I've ever met, and he's always happy to take your call. It's a pity you didn't see him play. Yeah, I know. Like, and you would have heard stories about him playing. Mate, I've I've heard he's the best player that never got to play. In Correct. The, Correct. Yeah, the Victorian League. So that that says things in. Mate, in he was an amazing footballer, and I gather when you say it, like you've just said to yep. me, that you're related. Stephen's your uncle. Uh, some of the stories. He was just a, an enormous player. Saying that, uh, I think he still lives in Collie, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Down that way. And I was talking to him a little while back, and he was involved in coaching, I think, his granddaughter, who was playing uh, Australian rules football down there. He still loves being involved, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a big, um, you know, icon in, in the community, and, and he does great things. So, Because we've got um, the Stephen Michael Foundation as well. Do you know much about that at all? No, I, I wasn't involved in that. Um, so, but... Uh, for him to have his own foundation and be doing what he's doing in the community is just unreal. Tell us about Brian Bennell, uh, who I believe you're connected with in your family as well. Yeah, my, my nan's um, cousin, and um, he, by all accounts that, that I was told, um, was a great boxer and um, ended up fighting a lot of uh, domestic fights and a couple of internationals. So once I kind of got into boxing, everyone, like, all, all the old timers and, and my nan's manies and my uncles were like, oh, you know, you come from boxing. But before I ever picked up the gloves, I, I'd never heard a peep about it, eh? So, um, yeah, there was a, a lot of stories that came through. And um, even my mother's father, uh, Primus Hugel, he, he told me about all his uh, ten boxing days with him and his cousins and that there. And I was like, far out. That, that would have been a, a great time um, mm in the area of boxing. So so you had boxing as a sport around you, just a matter of whether you wanted to step in and take it on board. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, in a way, once I did get in there, then people started uh, sharing their yarns. If not, it was just about football. And mm. like every Noongar is just like born and bred into, into AFL. So um, yeah, it wasn't until I stepped into the ring that I started to find out all this and um, yeah, all my ties to it. Brett mentioned Angelo Hyder, who's uh, been involved, as we know, with Danny Green and, and being one of the real icons of the uh, sport of boxing. Uh, tell us about uh, his involvement with you and how you connected with him. Yeah, so I met H, um, as we call him, uh, probably five years ago. I wanted to go spar the Maloney boys, and um, I knew that they were over on the on the East Coast. So I messaged them on Instagram and got over there, me and, me and my amateur coach at the time, and we spent... Uh, part of a week over there and um, obviously got to meet Angelo for the first time and pretty much he started to ask my coach, oh, are you thinking about turning this kid pro? And I was only 19 at the time and um, Brian Satori, my amateur coach, said, oh, he's got ambitions to go to Olympics. So that's kind of all we're worrying about at the moment. And Angelo put the feelers out there and said, mate, if you ever want to turn him pro, like give me a yell if you don't want to do it. And um my coach just started retire retirement, so he never wanted to go anywhere past amateurs. So once I did make it aware that pretty much that I, I wanted to be a professional only a couple of years ago, um, I made it very well aware that I wanted to go to H and um, train under him because I knew what he's done with, with mm. the Maloney's and other mm. products of boxing in Australia. 
By the way, is Brett, where's the Maloney's at at the moment? Of course, we had that controversy. What was it, about 12 months ago? Well, the best person to ask about that is their manager, Tony Tolls. So, uh, so yeah, he's So, he's where are they tight. at, uh, Tony? Uh, Andrew's fighting uh, on the 9th of December at um, in Melbourne. He's fighting uh, Judy Florius, who's mm-hmm. the number 15 in the WBA and the WBO, and it's for the WBO global title. Right. So, uh, and Andrew's uh, number nine himself, so it's going to be nine versus 15. So we're looking to get him uh, catapulted back into title contention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Jason is fighting on the 13th of January on uh, in Canada, in Quebec City. He's defending his world title against uh, Saul Sanchez. And that's part of a uh, doubleheader with uh, Artur Beterbiev, who's defending three out of the four uh, world uh, light heavyweight titles. So that's, that's a massive show. So that's uh, what they've got in store. So, Tony, how many people do you look after? Who, how many boxers do you manage? I know you've certainly got the stable here in Western Australia. Is that where you've concentrated on? Yeah, that's right. I, I, look, I manage uh, Alex, the, the two Maloney brothers, uh, Bruno Taremo. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a Chilean boxer, Andreas Campos, as well. He's uh, in the top 15 in the sanctioning bodies as well. And uh, got some other young and up-and-coming fighters, but that's the... Uh, predominant um, stars of where they're at at the moment. Good stuff. We're going to take a break because on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about this big event on Friday. How are you feeling about it, Alex? Very confident, mate. Very confident. I like the talk. I like the talk. And, of course, we've got the commentator who's going to be calling the action here in the studio as well. So we'll take a break and we'll come back and preview what promises to be a huge night on Friday night and find about uh, Alex Wimwood and what he is proposing to do and where his career could possibly take him. And we believe there is the opportunity of breaking an all-time boxing record here within Australia. We'll tell you more about that after the break here on Sports Day WA. Yes, we're here for the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, who have been serving WA for over 45 years. Don't forget, you can join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today. As we know, the Wildcats do battle with the Sydney Kings on Friday night. Should be a beauty at RAC Arena. And here's just a quick community update, thanks to Firecoat. Be alert and prepare this bushfire season. Stay up to date on all bushfire warnings online with the Department of Fire and Emergency Services. All you need to do is visit dfes.wa.gov.au. And this community update is thanks to New Fire Coat, the first paint proven to protect property in high-risk fire conditions, and it's available at Bunnings Warehouse. As I mentioned before the break, we've got three very special guests uh, here in the studio. Alex Winwood, who is going for what is a huge event on Friday night, uh, a huge fight at Metro City, a Thunderdome 44, and the main event of Dragonfire Boxing. Alex is in the studio with Tony Tolge, his manager, and Brett Bonetti, who's the media broadcaster and media commentator for this event. Uh, Alex, uh, as we mentioned, it's a big event on Friday night. You win that, and what is the next step? The next step is a world title eliminator, uh, hopefully early next year. So pretty much the winner out of that is a mandatory fight for a world title um, later in the year. So, yeah, pretty much can't drop the ball now, and... There's a clear path to, to a world title, and, um, yeah, Friday night starts them up. Amazing. So, Tony, did you expect him to get, get to this level so quickly? 
Um, in, in seeing him in uh, preparation and training, I actually did, and that's why we... Uh, so you're not surprised that he, he could be fighting for a world title, what, in a couple of fights' time? Uh, from when, when I first saw him, I actually could see it. But um, every ex- expectation that I did, did have, he uh, superseded that as well. So let me ask you this. What differentiates Alex from maybe some of the other fighters you've managed? Um, just raw natural talent, uh, power. And he's got power in a, in a division where there's not that much uh, other guys that have got power. He's like a, a mixture of uh, Roy Jones and Mike Tyson all amalgamated into one. Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. That's a big rap. Now, Brett, you've called Alex and you've seen many a boxer in your time. What excites you about this young fella? Well, again, uh, Tony just said it uh, best, as, uh, best himself. Obviously, the mix of power, uh, he's got speed, uh, the footwork, the head, your head movement is fantastic. Uh, when I saw him beat uh, Thibaut Monabessa, again, he's coming in, Alex is coming in with uh, one fight under his belt and coming up against the number 10 ranked guy in the world. He's come in not fighting any tomato cans. This is a term of fighting uh, these these guys that he is expected to beat. He's coming up against these, you know, talented fighters. And he, in his last fight against uh, Gutierrez as well, yeah, undefeated fighter. Uh, I think he was number five in the world, I believe. Yeah, number five in the mm, WBC. Yeah. Right. And uh, put him down in that fight. And and he got the experience in that fight, went went the 10 rounds and, and got a, a really good, healthy decision and thought, Wow, special generational talent. So this, we talk about generational mm. talent. You know that they've been talking about Harley Reid, who's ended up at the West Coast Eagles, a generational talent. It's been used all week. You're saying this young fella could be just that in boxing. Exactly. And Alex just said it. The path is now set. When we were talking about Alex you know, earlier on in the year, this is what we want to do. Now the path is set. He wins on Friday night. He gets that world title eliminator. He wins that, gets a world title shot. There's a record for the beckoning. He'll get there in six fights when Jeff Fennick did it in seven. So it's it's there for the taking. Now, you've put together a lot of big events, Tony. Yep. How significant is this one on Friday night and how big is it? It's massive. This is uh, the last step uh, for Alex before he fights uh, in a final eliminator. So that final eliminator means that he's guaranteed to fight. The winner of that fight will fight the world champion. And just going back to what Brett said as well, that Thibaut Monabessa in his second fight, that was he was a former world champion. And I was doing the negotiations with the WBC as well for that championship. And they said, Alex is, is not that experienced. Uh, Ten rounds is a lot to have in his uh, second fight. And we've seen it many times and people don't live up to their expectations. And we told the WBC, trust us, back us. Don't worry about the 10 rounds because it won't even go the distance. And Alex stopped him in four rounds. Wow. Amazing. Alex, it hasn't come easy, has it, really? Okay, you're 26 years of age. There's been some trials and tribulations. Can you share some of those with us? Yeah, definitely. Like, um, I had an extended amateur career and uh, went to two world championships, representing Australia, went to an Olympic Games and a Commonwealth Games. And uh, all experiences, you know, have, have led me to here. And uh, my my Olympics, you know, it was, it was the COVID Olympics. It was mm. a bit of a down. 2020. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't wasn't the Olympics that I trained five years to to go and, and do, and um, for me not to to get the head nod, uh, I was I was a bit disheartened in myself. So I got back and on the horse and went into the Commonwealth Games the year after and and represented Australia again and uh, yeah had a pretty controversial call against me um, 
in a semi-final to, to get a to get a medal um, where the referee waved it off probably mm. a lot lot more earlier than she uh, really should have. Um, so so you were gutted after that, were you? Oh, yeah, man. And how long did you hang on to that disappointment? Uh, a good part of a month. I, I questioned myself in boxing. and So you actually questioned yourself after that? Yeah, it was more so that I knew that I gave everything to the sport and the sport's very unforgiving. There's no one there to, you know, apologise for, for bad decisions or anything like that. Once a decision's called, they're never going to overturn it. Mm. And and I know that better than anyone. So um, pretty much had a word with my coach and I was like, look, mate, I don't know if my heart's in it. And he said, look, we make our own destiny. You come home, we'll get back to training and we'll do this, mate. We'll Don't worry about the amateurs. We're going to the professionals and you're going to be a world champion. And, mm. you know, he'd... The day he said that to me, it gave me that, you know, fire in the belly. And a year later now, we're number two in the world and knocking on the door for a world title. Unbelievable. So, Tony, when you look at that, that experience that Alex had, how much is it at the beck and call of those judges? That sometimes, like any officials, can make bad decisions that could, t- could dictate an individual's career. Oh, it's devastating. And I've seen it many a time and it just, it can break people. And they've got that power in their hands. And that wasn't even the judges. That was the referee that uh, didn't deserve to be in that position at all. Mm. It was completely ridiculous. It was disgraceful. Does it happen often? Not not that often. Too not. much too much in the Olympics and Commonwealth Games for my likings. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Why? Corruption. Is there any reason? It's a, it's a, it's a mix of corruption and incompetence, what, if you ask in me. In Olympic Games and Commonwealth Games? Yeah. In the uh, amateur that's, sport? That's just, again, it's an opinion, but we've been seeing it for years. I mean, you have to go back to, uh, to Roy Jones Jr. I mean, that was, a, that was the most disgraceful judging corruption decision we've ever seen, and it's been happening for many years ever since. Mm. Uh, we saw it at Mickey Conlon in the Olympics as well, but then we saw it in Alex at the Commonwealth Games. That was, he was very kind on his comments just then, but that was a disgraceful disgraceful performance from that referee and she should, she should never referee ever again. Well, you sound like a media commentator, Brett. Don't worry about that. You've got your opinion. Alex, um, Danny Green certainly put you up there. Uh, he was quite excited with what he saw when he, I think he may have saw you a few months ago here at uh, Metro's. Uh, have you spoken to anybody uh, like Danny and has he confided in you about, you know, mental state of mind and how to prepare for something like this? Yeah, mate. He's been a bloody gentleman about how, mm-hmm. how he goes about, um, Giving me the the one percenters that that he picked up in his. So what career. are those one percenters, Alex? What you like? What what? Uh, we know you've got the ability. You've, you're a gifted athlete. What are the little one percenters? Is it more uh, state of mind? Yeah, definitely. Like I remember the first time he was in my change room, and I was, I was sitting there and um, just trying to kind of work up the energy, and he just said, um, "Son, that's what he loves to call me." He <laughs> goes, "Son, uh, take a breath, enjoy it." And just things like that, you know, it comes from experience to say, enjoy this moment because this is what you actually put 12 weeks in for. You didn't put 12 weeks in to go out and have the win. It's like the whole process. It's walking out, going with your, your crew, you get into the ring, putting your gloves on. Um, and, yeah, you just in the corner uh, when he works, he, he brings that calm and, and all his experience there and he touches my belly and says, suck, suck a big one in and, Reminds me to have a breath, and I'm like thinking, oh, thanks, mate. I really appreciate that. I kind of forgot about it, but um, no, nah, he's he's been an absolutely genuine bloke, and.
couldn't have had anyone else better in my corner as well. Let's talk about Friday night. Tell us about your opponent, Filipino Chris Ganoza. Do you know much about him? Yeah, so he's a southpaw, and um, he actually recently, last year, fought the current world champion. So uh, he got stopped in the fourth round by him, and um, it's kind of a good gauge to see where we are at, at in my mm. career. He's been in there with the best. He's only had five losses out of 25 fights, so he's he knows how to get around the ring, and mm. he's coming off a TKO win, so mm. I think he's got that bit of fire in his belly that he, he wants to prove himself, and now he's fighting the world number two, and I think he thinks he can get back up in the rankings. Tony, a couple of questions. Is yeah. Alex's biggest test? Yes, it is. And at the moment, I feel like uh, Frankenstein creating the monster. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to fight Ganoza Friday. He's a a southpaw and he's he's about 5'2". And uh, the number one in the uh, division, the uh, Soto, who's a Mexican, Mm -hmm. he's uh, 5'2 and a southpaw. The champion in the WBC is 5'2 and a southpaw. And also uh, IBF champion, 5'2, southpaw. Wow. WBO champion, 5-2, Southpaw. So, and the uh, WBA's got a super champion and a regular champion and one of those 5-2 and a Southpaw. So this is the ultimate litmus test uh, for Alex and those rounds are just going to be so invaluable for his career progression. Brett, what do you expect to be calling on Friday night? How do you see it? Well, this is an interesting thing because, again, I'm supporting Alex, but I'm calling the fight. So yeah. I, I'll be calling it uh, fair and square and, and neutral. We've seen that in many times, uh, obviously, when Tim Zoo fights, for example. You know, Ben Damon and the boys, they'll be supporting Zoo, but they're calling it uh, fair and square. I'll be doing the same. But uh, very, very exciting fight we've got uh, in store on Friday night. Big main event. And uh, and the path is set. So, uh, so I'm expecting big things from this young man. Uh, and, yeah, I can't wait to call the fight. You look pretty relaxed, Alex, as we let you go. Uh, it is a Tuesday afternoon. The event is on Friday night. How will you spend the next couple of days getting ready for the fight? Yeah, pretty much just priming myself for, for Friday and we've got the weigh-in Thursday night. So um, as a boxer, that, that's a pretty important part. You know, if you've got, you've got to win the scales first and then win on the night. So, um, yeah, just get, get the weight right and um, just get the mind right too. Mm. When did the opponent arrive, Tony? Do you know how long he's been here? He'll be here in about 45 minutes. Okay, so he's on his way. <laughs> yeah. uh, good luck, Alex. Uh, we wish you the best of luck, uh, and we'll follow it very, very closely here at SENWA. We're very excited because uh, we've got something special here. Uh, Tony, definitely. we have got something special, haven't we? We definitely have. And people that may not follow boxing, I'll tell you what they do love, Australians, champions. Yeah, that's and right. And a champ, we could be saluting a, a champion maybe in not too distant future. 100%. And Brett, thanks for coming in. Always a pleasure, Peter. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Alex. Thank, Thank you, so much. This has been Sports Day WA. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Paul Heath and also uh, our panel up, Bryant. Uh, I'm off, actually, on holidays from tomorrow, and Paul will be conducting Sports Day WA. Thanks, fellas. Uh, have a good night, everyone. Yeah.